females are starting to turn to strength training more. They're starting to enjoy it more. There's more of an understanding about how it is necessary for everybody. You're listening to the Fitness Industry Podcast, powered by Australian Fitness Network. For articles, resources, and inspiration to grow your fitness business and career, go to fitnessnetwork.com.au, where you can also find a huge range of online courses accredited for CECs and other professional development credits, with up to a massive 30% saving for members of Australian Fitness Network. And for face-to-face learning, network members also save on standard rates for Filex, the fitness industry convention. In this episode, performance coach and personal trainer Susie Natal talks about strength training females of every life stage, rigidity of thinking and assessing physical and mental suitability for the demanding realities of body comps with the fitness industry podcast's Belle Fong. Okay, Susie, welcome to the Fitness Industry Podcast. Thank you so much for having me today. The first question off the bat and I ask you is, why is strength training for women so important? Well, for the same reason that it is important for males as well. Strength training is important for anybody who wants to have a body that works for them and is resistant to injury, you know, particularly if you've got hypermobility issues, which is actually more of an issue in females than it is in males. You know, it's one of those things where a strong body is always going to be more resistant and safer than a weak body in general. Mm-hmm. Great. And do you think this type of training is popular and now? And who do you recommend this type of training to? Well, obviously, if you think back a few decades ago, it was that whole stereotype where the boys go to the weights and the girls go to the aerobics room. So there's definitely is a constant increase in popularity for strength training for women. It's one of those things where... It depends upon where you go. So, for example, because I work in an area where there, you know, I, I work in Bondi and Sydney's East, so that there is a lot of a gym culture in that area. So, if you go there, you'd go, oh my God, everyone's strength training. But if you would go to other areas, you might not think the same thing. So, it's increasing. It's still an area that, that it can be contentious depending upon who you speak to. Some people are still very hesitant to approach it, whether they think that it's going to make them too big or whether they think that it scares them and they think they're going to get hurt or whether they think that it's just not necessary or they just don't enjoy it. But more and more I see as a general trend, females are starting to turn to strength training more. They're starting to enjoy it more. There's more of an understanding about how it is necessary for everybody. You know, now there's even government guidelines where it's just saying, you know, both males and females do need strengthening exercises. Just off the top of my head, i I'll be honest, I can't remember exactly what it was. I think it was twice a week that it recommends. Don't quote me on that though. But it honestly doesn't make any the, – the important thing about it is that it doesn't make any adjustments for whether you're male or female. It literally gives the same recommendations for both males and females. So it's getting out there an awful lot more. It's being recognized an awful lot more. I get many more questions, you know, because obviously a lot of my own training for myself – is in that space. So I get a lot more people coming up and asking me questions, talking about it when they see me training, an awful lot more people who straight off the bat, you know, it's not a client where I have to recommend it to them. They come straight to me already keen for it. So you can see it even in the years that I've been working as a trainer, I've seen it increasing gradually from year to year, which is really exciting. Cool. And would you say there are any situations where you think strength training maybe isn't appropriate for women? 
As a general whole, I'd say no, because it depends upon how you're defining strength training as well. Because see, some people look at strength training and they go, okay, we're talking about a barbell. And it's like, well, yes and no. It's one of those things where strength training can also mean any strengthening exercise. It can mean any sort of resistance exercise. It can even mean some body weight training. So, you know, because some people go, oh, when you think strength training, it has to be with a weight. And it's like, well, then that's saying a pull-up is not a strengthening exercise. It absolutely is. You know, so I still incorporate an awful lot of body weight training into my strengthening exercises. And that includes most of my, you know, most of my core work or most of my stabilization work. So for me, all of that Anything that's not skill or conditioning to me is strengthening. So I can't think of a situation where it wouldn't be appropriate. Now, what your choice of exercise and what the specific goal within that area is, is going to be really different from client to client. So if you've got someone who's come to you where they've just had a shoulder reconstruction, the type of strengthening exercises that you're going to be doing are going to be much more in that, you know, rehab space, much more in that stabilization space, bringing that side up to, you know, to meet the strength of the other side, you know, so all, all of your, all of that. Whereas if you've got someone who's just totally fine, no injuries, no mobilization issues, they're just like one of those bodies that is just quite fortunate. That training is going to look really different yet. I would still call them both strengthening, you know, they'd still both be strength programs. Okay, cool. And what about competition prep? Obviously, that's something that you do in your business for personal training. Do you think that this is popular amongst your clients? Absolutely. It's one of those things where it kind of ebbs and flows and sometimes it can depend upon what else is going on. So for example, whenever there's, you know, whenever the Arnold passes or whenever one of those big events where there's a lot of competitions pass and where there's an awful lot of exposure, there's always this big peak of general population people going, oh, maybe I should compete too. Or when you have old, old, you know, old competitors going, oh, maybe I did, I'm not done with it. So it, it does ebb and flow, but I've noticed that it sort of, it had a really big peak a few years ago, then it kind of calmed down a little bit and now it's starting to ramp up again. And a lot of that is due to different federations that arise and become popular and people hear more about it. Then it sort of goes quiet for a while. You know, there's always trends with everything, but every year I will definitely have a few people who approach me for competition prep, either because they are already experienced competitors who've had other coaches and they want to see how I do it, or they're just you know, someone who is general population who wants to take it that next to that next level where they're, you know, they're already quite fit. They're quite consistent with their training and they, they either want the challenge or they've just always wanted to step it up into that space. So yeah, it's, it's a topic of conversation that happens quite often. Yeah. And do you train both males and females for competition? I have done so. Yeah. It's one of those things where it depends as well. For example, I wouldn't train male bodybuilders because that's getting into a space that where it's too far removed from anything that I have done on myself because I'm a, com- I'm a competitor as well and I've coached myself through various competitions. And when I look at sort of the male muscle model and male fitness model, there, you know, it's obviously you don't train males and females exactly the same way, but it's one of those things where that's still within that. How different it is is much less than for something like male bodybuilding, where they have to get so big and so lean that that's just totally different to anything else that I could ever experience with my own physique. So when I haven't had the opportunity to practice anything at all on myself, I don't really like to then have, you know, use another person as a guinea pig, so to speak. That's, that's not really my jam. So I have, have put a few male fitness models through male bodybuilders. I wouldn't go male muscle model. 
I have done as well, but the way that those federations are going, those guys are getting bigger and leaner. So that's already a space that I'm starting to move away from. I do mostly prep females. Again, done bikini, fitness and figure. I prefer bikini and fitness mostly because I don't compete in figure. So while I can get the girls looking the right way and everything, I don't have, I'm not particularly well versed in the posing for that. So it's, it's one of those things where I can't necessarily offer the complete package. So I prefer to stick to bikini and fitness wherever possible. Cool. Do you always say yes to prepping an interested, interested client? Absolutely not. <laughs> it's like that's, that's a whole different. Yeah, it's one of those things where you have to really be careful when you're making that decision because just because somebody thinks that they can and should do something doesn't necessarily mean that that is the right decision for them. And sometimes it's a matter of timing. Sometimes it's a matter of personality. Sometimes it's a matter of, you know, different different quirks that they might have. You know, you might spot some red flags where you're like, oh, I'm not sure if that will go well with this person. So, for example... In terms of timing, like let's say – I'm just going to give an example because it's just an easy an easy way to demonstrate what I'm trying to get at. Like let's say that someone comes up to me and they're just like, okay, I've just had like the worst breakup in my life and I just want something to focus on, blah, blah, blah. I just want to compete. I'd be more likely to not necessarily say no straight off the bat, but I would delve deeper in order to find out – where exactly they're at because if they're in a really negative space they could get into that body punishment kind of cycle so pretty much as a general rule I'm always looking for situations where a person has the opportunity to accidentally spiral into something that can become quite damaging because competing for bodybuilding is really it's really different to other sports because it does have a pageantry element to it you know it for other sports you have to perform on the day For bodybuilding, you have to perform every day in the gym to get yourself to where you're at. But then on the day, you're going to get into the best shape of your whole life and still get told what's wrong with you. You know, that's at its most brutal. If you'd really want to talk about it in terms of if you're not in the right headspace, that's how it's going to feel. You're going to feel like you've worked so damn hard, which you have, and you're still going to get told where your weaknesses are, which you need to be prepared for because at the end of the day, it's a competitive sport. But because we are inherently a little bit funny about, you know, how we look and being criticized. It can eat. It's much more difficult to not take it personally. And it's much more difficult to separate our egos and to separate our self-esteem away from the assessment of our performance than it is for another sport where they'll be like, well, you literally just could not pick that weight up or you literally did not run fast enough. That's a lot easier to go, okay, I just had a bad day than it is to go, yeah, but you're not lean enough. Oh, your legs didn't look good because it's our body. You know, it's our body. So when when the metric is what you look like, things can get really, really funny and that's where you've got to sort of develop – sort of like a sixth sense to try and picture is this person going to handle that well because even if they win they're still going to get told something negative about their body simply because it's the judge's job to make sure that you're continuing to improve you they don't gain anything and you don't gain anything from being told you're perfect one it's a lie and two, even if they've chosen you as a winner and they've given you a pro card, like literally best case scenario, they've given you a pro card, everything's great. Well, you've just gone up to the pro league. You're now back at the bottom. They need to give you some feedback on how to improve. Otherwise, you're going to get monstered the moment that you go into that pro league. So 
it doesn't matter what happens in that scenario, there is going to be constructive criticism. And they've just stared at hundreds of people in some cases. So in some instances, their delivery might be lacking a little bit of finesse because they're tired and they're used to it. They, you know, they don't, they don't think about it in terms of, I'm trying to make you feel bad about your body because that's not what they're trying to do at all. But for someone who's never competed before or who doesn't have an awful lot of experience with competition, it can be easy to take it that way. Because like, for example, when I compete, I sort of create two personas where I've got the me who is who I am as a person and that's where my self-esteem lives and that's where my body image lives and that's where how I feel about myself. And then there's the competitor persona, which is that's like still same body, same everything, but that's the person that's going to get told what's good, what's bad, the, the, you know, the good, the bad and the ugly, and that's what I have to work on. But I kind of create that separation and I kind of march in those shoes on comp day so that – it's sort of water off a duck's back where you're like, okay, you know, my legs might not have been lean enough or whatever it is that they say. So you can take that on board and go, okay, how can I change my strategy for the sport without going home and hating on yourself and eating a whole tub of ice cream because, well, well they hated me. It happens. It happens a lot. And I've still never been at a single comp ever, whether it's as a coach, as a competitor, as a friend, as a helper, anything where I haven't run into someone crying in the bathrooms afterwards. It happens all the time. And that's why I'm so selective about who I allow to come on board as a competitor. So if it, if it's a timing thing, if it's someone who, where they've just had like a bad experience, I'm going to really probe asking a lot of questions, you know, is it that they've just dealt with all the crap and now they kind of want to move on into the next chapter or is it that they're using it like an escape? The first one will be much more likely to be a yes. The second one would probably be a no. And then there are some personalities where I'd go, this isn't going to work. Like, for example, if there's a history of, of disordered eating or an, a fully blown eating disorder, again, there's never an absolute but for example, if someone is like currently suffering from an eating disorder, that's a no. That's a big no because you're going to make them really sick. If there's a history of eating disorders, it's probably going to be a no. But particularly if they're happy to every now and then, you know, go see their psychologist who may have assisted them when they were not well. And if they get approval from them, like, you know, pretty much get a little bit of get, get, get looked at, you know, is your head, is your head space right? Like I've had that situation before once where it was like, yep, well, they went and had a chat. The psych was like, yep, you're really good to go. I wouldn't mind seeing you like once every two months just to check that you're feeling okay about it. And they were cool with that and that went through and it was great. But there are scenarios where it's like the last thing that you want is to cause a relapse for somebody, you know, and you have to take that very seriously. And it's one of those things where people be like, I've had some trainers talk to me about it where they're like, oh, but I don't know how to make that call. And it's like, if you don't know how to make that call, then just say no. If you're not sure, say no, because you don't want to have to live with saying yes and then you make that person really unwell. You know, it's it doesn't it, it's not cool. You know, and then there are obviously some people where you might just be like, nah, that person is just not a good fit for the sport. Again, it would be things like if someone has an awful lot of constant ongoing body image issues where their body fluctuates all the time or whether they require a lot of constant positive feedback about their body, then I'd be looking at that going, ooh, if someone needs to get told that they're mad all the time, they're not going to get that from the sport. You know, if they, like if someone literally is like, I just want to get, you know, I just want to compete because I just want to look my best and, you know, I just really want that, that, you know, I just really want to feel good. I'm like... 
that's not necessarily what you're going to get. You know, at that situation, I'd be much more likely to go, how about we prep you for a photo shoot? Because that's going to be a much more positive experience because they can still do, they wouldn't get complain, but they might go like three quarters of the way. And then I'd line them up with a photographer that I know and trust. And I, you know, probably go on with them as a stylist and help them, you know, help them pose, help them, you know, and they'll look great. And they can give those photos to their family and friends, put it up on their social media. Everyone's going to love it. Because that's the thing. When you compete, even if you come dead set last, chances are that you look fantastic, you know, because everyone works really hard. But it's not the judge's job to sit there making sure that everyone's going to be okay. Because if there are 400 competitors, they'll be there for five days without sleep before they get around to finishing that. So they, they just can't. It's not realistic, you know. So in a scenario where I go, this person might be a little bit too delicate for some of the feedback that they're probably going to get, if they compete, I'd be much more likely to sell the the, the photo shoot idea. And thankfully, mo- a lot of people do tend to take that because they're like, oh, that's a, you know, that's a really good idea. And it's just like, you know, it's a little bit less hard work. You know, you can, you can share, you, you know, you still get the sharing component with everyone and, you know, and, and it's, and it's genuinely a more overall positive experience because you don't get told, oh, but you need to do this, which is not fun if all that you want is to get into your best shape ever and feel good about yourself. You know, it's more of a guaranteed win, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. So leading into that, I guess, what else do you look for when you're assessing a suitability for a potential competitor? So obviously you, you said if, if some red flags come up, then obviously that's kind of a no. But what kind of steers you in the direction of saying yes to someone? Well, there's going to be a certain amount of time that they've been training for. A lot of what I've seen recently, particularly in females that I really, really don't like, is that some coaches will prep girls who are literally beginners And they'll obviously put them just into bikini because they're not big enough for fitness. But the problem is that these girls might have like nothing, like they have no muscle on them whatsoever. So then they literally have to starve these poor girls in order to get them anywhere near lean enough. And then they still don't look good because there's no shape underneath there. So they have to be really severely deprived of calories. So they get really sick. They still don't look great. So they have a negative experience like they're just not ready for it. And then an awful, unfortunately, an awful lot of coaching programs, the moment the comp's done, the coach is like, bye. So these poor girls have been starved half to death. Then they don't look great anyway. They get given really horrible feedback. And then the person who made them do that just disappears. So it's a terrible experience for them. And they usually then get really sick, rebound terribly and put a lot of weight on that. They then struggle to lose because they already started without enough, you know, with that, with insufficient muscle, then they get extra muscle wastage through the extreme calorie deprivation throughout the entire process. So then when they start invariably overeating and binging afterwards, because they've been so deprived for so long, their body is like their set point is all over the place. Like they just can't handle that amount of calories. And so they stack it on really quickly because they've got even less muscle than what they had, but when they first started, so they end up in a really, in a really, really bad spot. And then they have no support because bye, you're not competing anymore. So the biggest one for me is that there's a set there's a certain amount of muscle that I expect to see on a person before I will let them go. That doesn't mean I won't take them on as a client. So like I've got a client right now where we intend to have her compete in bikini, but she knows that we're not doing it this year, you know, because she knows that she just does not have enough muscle on her yet. And she's completely happy with that. You know, she's happy to just 
do strengthen hypertrophy up until the point where we both agree that, you know, she's ready, willing and happy. And I can see that she's got the right musculature because here's the thing at the end of the day, if they don't have the muscle underneath, there's no point because you're going to strip the layer of body fat off and there ain't going to be a good shape underneath. So they're, they're, you're setting them up for failure. So both from a safety as well as a performance perspective, once we've gone past the, okay, do they have their head straight for this? It's going to come down to a certain baseline of musculature as well as the desired shape that I, that I think is going to be most appropriate based off the federation and division that we've chosen as where we're probably going to put them. Cool. And what would you say some of the common issues that trainers who prep females should look out for? Oof, <laughs> that's, that's a big question. There's lots of that. So obviously what we talked about before with the red flags, you know, when that comes up, you know, be really careful about how you make that decision. And if you're not sure, don't make the decision off the cuff. Like, you know, think about it. Think about it. Talk to a colleague. Talk to someone who you know is experienced with it. You know, just sleep on it. Think about it. Don't don't just be like, oh, yeah, sure, because you could end up in a really bad situation and it is your fault because you shouldn't have done it. So there's that. But then also sometimes people surprise you. Sometimes people – you know, dieting can make some people be a little bit nuts sometimes. So that can get a little bit bit out of hand. So it's one of those things where you kind of have to keep in check of, you know, are they feeling good? Are they, you know, are they starting to feel a little bit loopy? You know, are they, how are they responding to the fact that it is a lot of hard work? Like I like to check in quite regularly, like, you know, how are you feeling? How are you feeling about yourself? Are they getting obsessive? Like that's where, you know, the language that they use and how they get like, you know, I missed a workout. It's like, oh, okay. You know, that's going to be really different to, oh, I missed a workout. What should I do? It's like, okay. So the latter is more of a, I genuinely don't know how serious an issue this is. Tell me what to do, coach, please, which is exactly what you want. You want them to communicate everything with you. And the other is more sort of a, I'm getting really rigid in my thinking. So like rigidity with thinking gets really dangerous in competing, whether it be around the food, whether it be around the training, you know, they're the two big ones, but closer to the date, whether it be about the posing, like, you know, are they still talking to their family? Are they still going out a little bit? You know, are they getting to the point where they're arguing with people because they're like, you don't understand what I have to go through, blah, blah, blah. When it starts getting into that space, you've got to be really careful and pull them back a little bit. So rigidity with thinking is a big one and an inability to be flexible to those that love them. You know, if they're starting to get into arguments with family and friends, that's when it's time to have a bit of a chat to them. You know, or if they have someone who's close to them on, on, on the flip side to that, if they have someone that's close to them, that's trying to sabotage them, because sometimes, you know, a partner might be getting a little bit annoyed that they're getting a lot more attention or like, you know, th- anything can happen. It's one of those things where you just sort of, you want to have a close relationship with anyone who's going to compete, not in terms of having to be best friends with them, but just knowing that if something's a little bit funny that they won't hesitate to tell you. You want to know that they are going to be open with you because you can't be constantly checking in on them, particularly if you have a bigger team. You need to be confident that you know that you've created the kind of relationship with your client that if something's up, they're going to stick their hand up and go, hey, this is kind of happening. Stuff's not good. Mm -hmm. Um, So 
Once they start getting rigid or if they start having conflict with people that they care about or if they start getting either too hungry, too tired, any of those red flags where you go, okay, you know, maybe their calories are a little bit too low or maybe they're exercising more than they're telling you. Sometimes people can start throwing in extra cardio. If you start sensing that they're doing anything as punishment, oh, I cheated on my diet, so I did three hours of cardio to make up for it. It's like, ooh. You've got to always constantly be reminding them, you know, this is not a punishment thing. Similarly, if they're getting into fights with people, remember that this is a choice that you're making. It's not actually their fault. Like, it's not their problem. You know, it's no one else's problem that you've decided to do this. It is hard. You know, it is hard work. In the last few weeks, you will be hungry. You will be tired. People don't need to deal with your drama just because you're not feeling great. And it's important to keep reminding your clients of that because, you know, how they behave themselves is a reflection of you as well. So, you know, you need to remind them to be a little bit less first world about it and just be like, you know, take it on the chin. You're an athlete. You know, usually reminding them and it's like, if you're going to do this, you are an athlete. You have to take this on board in a mature way and not punish those around you because you've made the choice to do this. Cool. And kind of the last couple of questions, would you say body issues are common for, you know, competitions and how do you handle these when they arise? Oh, they're very common. And a lot of that has to do with, well, it's one of those things where I try and nip it in the bud by looking at the other end of the spectrum initially and being very careful with who I allow to go through in the first place. But obviously sometimes clients will come to me already having competed with other people and those issues are already there when they're coming at me. Like I've had a few situations where someone's joined the team already as a competitor and I'm like, okay, well, I guess they're going to compete again. Then I start hearing that, you know, they've had a really bad experience and they're binging on the weekends and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, we're not competing yet. We're going to fix this first. It's really individual. It's really individual. And obviously sometimes people who will slide in under the radar where they're fine when I'm trying to figure out whether they're good or not, and then things start to kind of come out of the woodwork where you're like, ooh, you really don't like yourself very much right now. That's when I would, like, I'm just really honest with them. I just go, this is what I'm noticing from the language that you're using, how you're describing yourself, what you're telling me is going on. This isn't healthy. And at the end of the day, everyone who comes on board with me knows that I'm like health above all else. And if they don't like it, I won't train them. Like I, it's almost like heart, it's like a hard ass kindness approach where I'm like, I am not going to under any circumstances let you destroy yourself, even if it means you're going to sack me because it's like, it's not cool. You know, I don't think I could live with that. So usually at that point, I'll pull them up on it and I'll try to be as gently as possible point out what I've noticed. And I'll be honest, to this day, I've never had someone blatantly go, no, that's not the case. Like they usually go, yep. All right. I'm listening. What, you know, stuff is up. We're not good. And that's when it becomes really individual. Like, you know, with some people, they just need to have a bit of a chat and just sort of be steered in another direction for a while. With some people, it's as simple as how about we give you just a few months away You know, we just help you get rebalanced and then we hit the stage later when you're feeling a bit better. With other people, it's a bit more complicated, you know, and in those cases, they may eventually not end up being a competitor. And if it's someone who's already competed and they're really struggling afterwards, that's when it's like, okay, well, at that point, if it's really bad, I'd be going, okay, you might want to go talk to someone. I'm still here. We're still going to keep training. You know, we're going to stay on top of what's going on, making sure you're not over and or under eating, that you're not binging or, you know, binging and purging, you know, that's when you kind of have to take it on the chin and be like, you know, 
you know, there's going to be a little bit of extra contact at that point in time where it's just like, you know, if you feel like you're going to do something silly, just message me, put your hand up and be like, I'm feeling like crap, this, that, the other. And it's like, okay, don't do the dumb, you know? And it's one of those things where that's one of the, that's the point where, you know, as a trainer, you've got to go, where am I out of my depth? When do I have to refer out? And even when you do refer out, you don't just disappear on them. Like, cause in most cases they're still fit to train because if you abandon them at that point, it's going to make it worse. Mm-hmm. So you don't leave them. You just find other people to work with you in order to help them be okay again. And how would you say, I guess, these body image issues changed over the years and, and I guess how you have dealt with them in the years that you've been training these girls compared to say from the beginning when you first started to, to now? It's an interesting one because. I think social media has an awful lot to answer for in terms of the visibility of fitness models in general and the direction that competing is going in where the girls are getting a lot bigger a lot muscu- and a lot more muscular, which sounds great until you realize that they're also getting leaner at the same time. It's one of those situations where an awful lot of the same issues that were there when I first started are still there where, you know, it's just wanting to be really, really – back then it would have been more likely to say skinny, but really it was just being very lean – Whereas now it's like, it feels like the amount of people who want to be really lean hasn't changed. While you've still got those people there, it's almost like there's this other new breed of person who wants to be really lean, but they want to be jacked at the same time, where it's almost like a little bit of body dysmorphic disorder is kind of sliding in for the, sliding in for the ride, where it's almost like the desire to be lean hasn't gone away, but now they want to be lean with a six pack and, and, you know, and big shoulders. And it's like, okay, this is interesting. And again, like it's all these, all these things are like, they're not terrible per se, but the bodies that they're looking at, it's like, yeah, sure. I've looked that way. Anyone who's competed has looked that way for a day. But if you try and keep it, you die. <laughs> you know, like you, you're just not going to be safe. You're not going to be healthy. Like these bodies are at their extreme which for a competitive athlete is fine, particularly given that we don't look like that constantly. You know, it's an on and off thing. Whereas if you, you know, if you're just looking at those photos all the time, it's very easy to forget that and to, for that body to become really desirable. And, you know, and it's just, it's just not possible and it's definitely not safe. So that's probably the biggest change that I've noticed just that that now it's like lean and jacked and it's like oh okay well anything else while we're at it (laughs) oh awesome what a great insight well listeners want to find out more about you and your work where's the best place to find you well social media is probably the easiest one that's connected up to everything so you can well there's my website www.susinatal.com that's if you know there you can find links to everything else but if you just look up Susie Natal or one word my name's spelt weird so it's s-u-s-y-n-a-t-a-l find me on instagram because like my instagram hooks up to my email and everything else so that those two are the easiest ways to find me and it's also where you're go- it's where I'm most active and where you're going to see the most stuff if you just want to have a look cool have you got anything exciting in the pipeline happening for your business well i've just you know just done some you know started doing presenting i'm looking to launch online in the next few months i'm definitely keen to start looking at more presenting and or seminar work i really would love the idea of starting to travel a little bit with what i do because up until this point an awful lot of what i have done is much more in that one-on-one space whereas i'm really looking more at you know that educational space and at trying to expand my business a little bit more and i might hit the stage again sometime soon 
Awesome. All right, Susie, thanks so much for chatting with the Fitness Industry Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. For a huge range of online courses focusing on female fitness and well-being, fully accredited for CECs and other professional development points, go to the network website and select the Courses tab. The women's health category includes comprehensive courses on pre- and postnatal exercise, nutrition and pelvic floor health. And remember, network members make massive savings of up to 30% on courses. Go to fitnessnetwork.com.au today to grow your skill set and fitness career. And for face-to-face learning, remember that network members also save on standard rates for Filex, the fitness industry convention.